Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Martin here, Electronically Yours as always. Today's guest is quite an astounding guy, actually. He's a producer called James Ellis Ford. He's also a songwriter and now a fully-fledged artist. He's just put his first solo album out called The Hub, which is my favourite album of this year. He has been responsible for productions with, uh, well, he's originally started with Simeon Mobile Disco, that was his kind of thing, uh, but he's produced Last Shadow Puppets, Arctic Monkeys, The Falls, Florence and the Machine, Depeche Mode, Haim, Gorillas, Claxons, Jesse Ware, Kylie, Pet Shop Boys, uh, Myths of the Near Future of the Claxons won the Mercury Prize. His stuff is amazing, it's like, cross between Surf's Up and the Canterbury scene and Eno, uh, highly recommended. Everything Everything is worked with as well, uh, who I really like, and he's just produced the uh, last two Arctic Monkeys albums, Tranquility Base, Hotel and Casino, and uh, The Car, uh, as well as some other stuff with them. On his current album, he plays 18 instruments. He's prodigiously talented. Here he is, James Ellis Ford. Um, well, let's get the um, the completely justified flattery out of the way at the start. Um, I'm an admirer of your work. I think The Hum is my favourite album of this year. Whoa, thank you. That's very, very uh, I wasn't. I have to be brutally honest, I wasn't aware of it until it was suggested that we did this. And um, I've just had it on high rotation. Oh. I think it's absolutely top quality. Well, coming from you, that means a lot. Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was listening a lot to, to the latest um, Arctic Monkeys album because I went to see him last week. Mm. And um, I think you've kind of nailed... I know it's a different thing because he's a fantastic singer and everything. But in the kind of mood sense, I think you've kind of nailed what he what they were aiming at he, well kind of well i did that record as well so. did you? Did <laughs> um, but um but i think I, I prefer your record well thank you yeah i, I don't know i suppose um yeah I'll, you know me and al have made a lot of records together now so i think we've kind of evolved in together in a lot of ways um wow. you know i i do take some um you know, I feel th there's definitely this kind of like naivety and sort of, um, uh, you know, energy you, you kind of get at the first on the, you know, make, anybody gets when they make their first records. And I think that is something so precious. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, you know, I, you know, like I've definitely introduced Al to a lot of records. Um, and then now it's flipped the other way where he's just introducing me to me to a load of things I've never heard before. But yeah a voracious kind of music lover you know and uh he's just on his own own little path and it's kind of mad to see how um you know i think i think he's not scared of just doing his own thing and and there aren't many bands of people in his position that are willing to kind of to, to do that and you know we definitely probably alienate some of the people who love the early stuff but then there's people who love the oldest the new stuff and didn't like the old stuff you know it's it's just but he's just on his own journey i suppose i mean there's nothing wrong with his progression is there so um 
it what was interesting the 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 uh gig the arctic monkeys gig um tonight actually i'm gonna go and see him at wembley uh, but right. it was really i mean it, i was in sheffield it's like forty thousand people beautiful day you know it's just perfection it was crackers actually i was stuck between two mo mosh pits <laughs> in the middle. i'm not used to that stuff yeah getting too old for that my son loved it though. um but I, the musically, I mean, they, they were impeccable. Um, but what was it? What I found really interesting was they started with a whole bunch of old stuff, which of course the crowd goes wild. Yeah. And then throughout the gig, speaking of somebody who is constantly touring and designing, you know, the dynamics of live, they kind of it, it kind of slowed down towards the new album for the second half of the set. And I thought it really worked. And now it's like counterintuitive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, honestly, like um, I kind of said this on somewhere else, but on this last record, I, like they'd just come back off tour and Al was sort of, uh, you know, full of the kind of beans of uh, the touring energy and uh, the life and was like, oh, you know, really, really wants to make this kind of like, maybe you know maybe they even knew they were going to do these kind of shows you know what to make these kind of like um sort of outward facing songs and um yeah and then it's sort of like he we sort of started down that road and then this it's sort of the timing of the pandemic and whatever and uh al ended up doing a lot of kind of writing on his own and he's got this kind of tape machine sort of demo set up and he just kind of went away and actually what came back was very very different than i was expecting you know it was very those these kind of really quite sad sort of melancholic quite beautiful songs that that i was like well they're great but it doesn't sound like the you know they're going to work in the in the big in the big uh, sort of um arena type things um but you know i i think you know, I I I think they sort of have found a way to sort of tread thread the thread the line between the older stuff and the new stuff, which is quite remarkable, really. Yeah, I, I'm a I, I'm a big fan, obviously, but the the interesting thing is that they they have like a fanatical audience. I mean, that forty thousand people bouncing is quite something to be in the middle of, you know, uh, and. I think there's something about the, the honesty of it. And anyway, getting back to you, your work, which is more important. Um, Not really. But, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Don't be so self-effacing. <laughs> um, tell me about the inspiration behind the hum. Um, I think, so I'm, I'm pretty busy as a producer and I love it. And I do, I get the chance to work with all sorts of different people and I get very fulfilled doing it. A lot of the times, I you know, I've always had the little kind of, I had the little electronic sideline with the semi mobile disco and all of that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, the other guy out of SMD um, got got sick about sort of four or five years ago, and it's kind of this condition that meant that uh, we definitely couldn't tour anymore. But I couldn't even really be in a studio with him through the kind of pandemic thing. He's been through rounds of chemo and all this sort of right. stuff. Um, so that kind of put a fairly sort of hard end to that, which kind of scratched my little kind of creative itch quite a lot. Um, 
Um, and then I'm like currently in my home studio here, which is in my attic in my house. Um, I've had this for about four or five years, but it's the first time I've really had a studio just to myself, if you know what I mean, you know, without there being engineers or other people around or even jazz or whatever. Um, and so I just had, you know, and then obviously added the pandemic into that whole thing. I just had a bit of space um, for the first time I, f I felt like in, in since I can sort of remember where I just had time to fuck around and like make tape loops and, you know, just play around with like sort of stuff for no reason, if you know what I mean, just sort of playing. Um, and I had just had a bunch of that stuff and um, I just decided to take some of it a bit further than I normally would instead of leaving them as sketches on my computer for a change, you know. Um, and then it sort of started to develop and I started to think, oh, maybe I could, you know, um, do something with this. Um, and I was originally intending to um maybe you know i kind of i did a lot of instrumental stuff and then i think it would be nice to have some voices on here so i was starting to write a few ideas to maybe send out to i don't know people like alex or you know beth gibbons or whoever you know friends um and then i was just i just had the thought like why am i why am i not doing giving it, it away why are you giving it away yeah, no, I'm not even, yeah, like, well, it's my own sort of insecurities of what I am and what I do. Um, you know, I'm I'm a producer, I'm not a singer, you know, and, and so I was just like, well, I could just, I could just do it. What's, you know, like, I could, I could just do it here and no one can hear me for a start. Um, and so I just started to um, play with those ideas a little bit, using my voice for the sort of first time. Um, and kind of got into like the whole thing of like, you know, writing lyrics and the little jigsaw puzzle of putting that together. And it felt out of my comfort zone and it felt like I was sort of challenging myself and it, it felt sort of exciting to me really. And that was the, that was the impetus behind it. And then I was very kind of sort of nervous about it. It's, you know, it's quite an odd thing to do as a 40 odd year old guy, but, um, to start now, but, um, yeah, so I just played with some, you know, like jazz and my manager and some friends and kind of got some good feedback. And honestly, they sent it out to a few labels and, um, you know, a couple of people got back, one of them being Warp, which is one of my all-time kind of, you know, some of my favourite music in the world, you know, see Aphex Orteca, but Broadcast and all of those things all came through through Warp. So I was like, well, if they went up to put it out, maybe I should put it out, you know, um, and then here we are. Well, is it fair to say that, I mean, to me, I'll tell you what, what it reminds me of. <clears throat> um, obviously, Eno, there's a significant amount of that in there. Um, obviously, the Canterbury scene and all that kind of stuff. And I think about the Canterbury scene, you know, it wasn't all about great singers, was it? And technically great. It was about mood and meaning and yeah. emotional engagement. And I think that's what you've achieved with this. Yeah. So it didn't matter that you're not like, you know, yeah. Turner. It doesn't matter because, <laughs> because it has its own vibe entirely. Yeah. Oh, most of my favourite records of, 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 of singers are people who are very good singers. That was another yeah. realisation I had through it, you know, like Nico or whatever. You know, it's like it... it you know that it's not about it's not about being a good singer, is it? Often it's a it's a detriment to be too good. I think. Yeah. Are you going to perform this live? 
I have been doing, yeah. So I I, I did a gig on, on last weekend, played in, which again is another like pretty mad moment, but I played in Primavera Festival uh, and I, oh. I was doing drums and singing a la kind of, you know, sort of some of my hit, Karen Carpenter, Robert Wyatt, all of that sort of stuff. But um, Well, very, very, and for people who can't see, is the spin image of Karen Carpenter. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like I ended up found myself like playing in this auditorium, and like after me was John Cale, and then Laurie Anderson. I'm just like, this is oh wow, you know. Um, and then I'm going to play Glastonbury Festival, and I'm going to play Green Man Festival, um, and then I'm just going to see how it goes. I'm not, I don't have any aspirations to be a big touring artist or anything, to be honest. I've I've, I've done a lot of that stuff with the DJ world. Yeah, and, yeah. Honestly, I'm very happy in the studio. I've got a young family, and you know, I, I, I don't. I've kind of got sort of uh, PTSD for sort of airports at this point in my. Yeah, do you know? Um, I'm down with that. I would explain if we if we were in a pub over a pint of beer. I would explain why, but uh, I won't <laughs> publicly here. Um, I. I are uh, right. I think that you're. Uh, you have fantastic taste in arrangement thank you um and i really don't say this to everyone in case you think oh all the podcasts are like this i don't honestly yeah. i i, I focus it. on other things if i you know but this is something clearly you have a real grasp of um how to draw people into a narrative and part of that is the lyrics that you've written on this album but obviously when you're working for other people you don't have control of that but you do write a lot of stuff as well for them yeah like producing for me is such a broad term and you know sometimes it is literally kind of trying to manage the situation and people's egos and making everyone feel relaxed and comfortable enough to you know to come up with ideas and not feel pressured or whatever. Sometimes with some things I do, I literally write and play every instrument on the record, you know, and... Um, that what and... you did here with the hum? You played, what was it, 18 instruments or something? Yeah, well, I just did it in here. I'm a very kind of like, um, you know, I, I can't get along. A lot of brilliant records are made on laptops, but I just, I can't get along with... Um, uh, being on, you know, being on Ableton or something like that. I, I tend to just get much more sort of excitement out of doing things in inverted commas real, you know, and and be that drum machines and synths or instruments. I just think there's something intangible that you get from putting the effort in to actually do a thing rather than... Of course, of course. Getting also, contact. there's an element of randomness, isn't there? Uh, I think that's, that's a huge part of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, we're all fans of Eno, of course, but... Yeah. Um, he, had, he was a big influence on me in terms of talking about randomness as part of the creative process. And yeah. how you should treasure this thing, which breaks you out of your habits all the time. And the problem with, I think, a lot of um, digital composition is it draws you, it, 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 its actual primary function is to reduce randomness. Exactly, you get what you expect. Whereas, whereas I sort of feel like when you're interacting with a, a real world object, it's like a collaboration, and it it, it it's pushing back against you, you know, and it gives you something for free, you know. It gives you it gives you ideas that you didn't have yourself, you know. Yeah, I've got a funny story actually. Um, Mark White from ABC, who's a good yeah. friend of mine, uh, 
He recently bought a Roland System 100, which I've got, and you know the original yeah. six were being boiled and all that. And yeah, um, cool. he said, "Oh, would you come round to my house and show me? You know, give me a tutorial." And I go, "I can, uh, and I'll show you how it works." But really, the 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 stuff you're going to get out of it, I can't predict. Yeah. Uh, and the great thing about the System 100 when it first came out is it used to say no illegal connections. So you can put anything into anything without damaging it. Exactly. That's yeah. where the random shit happens. And anyway, so I went around to his house and I think he, he's got like a notepad and he's taking like notes as though I'm like the Don of all this stuff. And like, and it is my specialist instrument, but I still 40 years on haven't mastered it. Which is the joy. No, you never will, no one never will, you know. No. So I'm just going, well, you should try this and this, and then I plug this into here and do this sequence. And, like, what's coming? Oh, we'll put it in the ring modulator and all this stuff. And he's going, and he, after about five minutes, he stopped taking notes because he said, oh, I see. You don't, it's not like, because he's a great, I mean, his compositional thing is, and a lot of people, is purely through digital audio workstations. Yeah. Um, no, obviously he was involved in writing the original ABC stuff, but as a as a writer, he's only just started doing that. So I'm going, we've we're in danger of losing this shit if we're not careful. It's like an ecosystem. Yeah, and and I think that's the you know the the fact that it is it's sort of not repeatable is also part of the beauty of it. You know, it it it, it the fact that you can go in on on a DAW and get it back exactly how you had it is is it means you put all your decisions later down the process you know and and then you find yourself like in the mix with like a million it's the same with working on tape and all of those things i don't think it's about the sound of tape it's about how it affects the process and how it makes you make decisions in an early stage of it and commit to it and be bold with it um and all of those things are are it you just allowing the equipment to make the decisions for you in a lot of ways you know and and kind yeah. of guide the you know um, and the curse of presets exactly we're, we're all under time and cost pressure to deliver stuff and it's just easy to start from something that you're familiar with um, and then you, you always go well i'll modify it loads and in fact in the end you, you never do yeah um, and it's easy to fall into that you know as as much as you can talk about this stuff i fall into those kind of regular patterns um and you know, you just have to you have to w work hard to try and snap yourself out of it. I think often that is about designing the process. Sometimes, you know, Absolutely. like you know, with me, um, I feel very lucky that I get to jump in and out of lots of different projects. And part of that, which is inspiring, is that you you get to be part of a very different process in a different studio with different people around, different equipment. You know, and that whole thing of is. It, you know that's a hugely inspiring thing for, for for me personally it's like oh you know i don't have my normal plugins here or whatever you know i have to try and find a way around it or i've got to try and get something out of this system because that's all that there is here you know and and i think restricting yourself in those ways i and i know it's been said a lot but that is the the nature of it that's why a lot of those incredible you know uh you know early electronic records and all of those things you were kind of pushing the envelope of a quite restricted little uh that's right machines, you know and 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 that actually makes you 
pushed harder you know and 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 that's that's why they're the, that you can hear that in the record it's exciting and there's that, that energy in there i conceptual used to conceptualize it as getting lost in the forest of sound uh you know which i think is a beautiful concept not so beautiful when you're confronted with Five hundred thousand presets on your digital audio workstation. Yeah, well, you know, but and it's also like there's a thing about making it difficult for yourself. Like you know, like, talking to the Depeche lot, you know, like about um, just how you know all the nightmares they had with like sync and trying to keep all the machines talking to each other and and all of that sort of stuff. And you know, oh no, the drum machines have like drifted and you know <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. But in a way, like um, music is 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 so easy to make at this point you know um you know especially generic music you know you can just pull loops in from oh, splunk yeah. and you can even like get a thing that generates chords for you and yeah. it's just so easy and and it's it's fully democratized to the point which is is brilliant in in so many ways but actually it, it to make something of value i feel like you do still have to make it difficult for yourself to kind of make yourself um push you know push that envelope like we were just like i was just saying you know. two sides of the coin easy and democratized or the other the other way of looking the other lens to look at it through is facile you it, know it, it's yeah, like i open yeah. i mean i've done quite a lot of teaching and i'm always saying to the students it's very very easy to get to 80 percent of something that's exactly okay it's incredibly difficult and probably takes five times as long to get to the 95% point. Exactly. But a lot of people don't ever go beyond the 80%. So I have a big, uh, some of our tutors used to say, be prolific, you know, I'm going, well, no, don't be prolific, be creative and challenge yourself. It's a different thing. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a, a 10 track album where everything's well considered and beautifully produced rather than five CDs worth of just average shit. I 100% I agree with that. My devil's advocate to that would be that, like, I noticed something on my own when I was doing my own record is that um, the only way I could get through it was to go through as quickly as I could, get it as far as I could, and then leave it and not think yeah. too much it and actually making a big pile of stuff and then having a month off and coming back and go oh, if that's all right that one may as well just go in the bin do you know what i mean that that sort of strategy of so you um you just keep the forward motion i think is the important part because the, the flip side to what you just said is the perfectionism thing which is also oh. equal and 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 uh, uh you know terrible thing where you know you, you can obsess over just you know one track to the point where you just you just iron all the life and love out of it you know and and actually it'd be so much uh better if you just kind of made like three other tracks and just you know pick pick the best one out of it you know what i mean so it, it, it's like anything it's a balance isn't it the worst example of that that i've come across in my career was um my very good friend green Gartside, who is a genius yeah uh, but he had, he, he would over-revise tracks. He would squeeze the life out of them if you'd let him. And when I, when I, I produced a couple of things for him and I said, trust your instincts, just go go for yeah. it, do it, you know, and leave it and move on. 
Yeah. And, and back to the thing about like, I, I'm, I'm a great believer in moving as quick as the project will allow because, you know, some projects do mean you have to get into the meticulous detail and that's part of the aesthetic choices of the thing. But as much as possible, if you can, you know, especially in the modern age where you can tune and time and fiddle with every single element, actually, you know, to me, you're ironing out the humanness when you're doing that. Yeah, you think cool. You're making it better at the time, but actually... You know, the records that I love, you can hear the human making it and you can hear the most in in the weird little things that they would consider mistakes or things they would have changed at the time. Exactly. You know, and, and that if you move quickly and try not to edit yourself too much and, you know, as a producer as well, I find like feel a responsibility to to not edit you know like i used to be the other way around where i was like i've got to make this better by editing stuff and now i'm like now i'm like it's like i'm photoshopping a photo do you know what i mean i want to try and leave all the kind of um you know the, the rough edges on it because that's actually what's going to differentiate it from again the kind of the, the huge pile of like kind of sort exactly. of computer sounding music you know? is in even the sound of the tape for instance, if you're recording onto real tape, it's yeah. in the sound of. I used to love that thing where, uh, after time, you get like a pre echo of. Uh, oh, yeah, because you can hear it on the. It's not a radio. Print through. You yeah. go back to a tray, uh, something printed on half inch or something. And like a year later, you get this very faint. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, uh, and, and so. Would you be flattered if I said that, that this album reminds me of Surf's Up? Of course, yeah. Like, yeah, I, you know, it, that's one of the biggest compliments. Like, I'm I'm a huge, huge Brian Mills fan. And, like, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I feel lucky that I grew up with, um, you know, like a like a, a family my dad especially but my mum too playing lots of pretty weird and wonderful records obviously all the canterbury stuff but you know a lot of kind of 60s psychedelia and and that sort of thing so that's kind of in my sort of dna growing up really that that sort of stuff and and i feel like with my you know um the first record i felt i actually made as a producer was the first simeon sort of record yeah. um chemistry is what we are and I feel like that was, I was heading towards, you know, we were heading towards that kind of um, um, a similar similar feeling or a similar world to where I'm, I'm kind of heading with this record. And, and it's, it, yeah, I suppose it's just my, my comfort zone, really. And, I, you know, I've made so many different types of records. I felt like I just wanted to make something that was just me, you know, it was my flag in the ground. I think it's great. I think it's brave to... Uh, I've never been brave enough to do a solo album, but I've always had the kind of carapace of Heaven 17 around me, so I've, I've got yeah. that to hide behind. It's it's quite a brave thing because if if it came out and the critics destroyed it, yeah, I, I it's I it's made me feel I've felt exactly the same probably my whole life. I think I feel like I've only had the confidence maybe to do it this kind of sort of period of my life honestly you know and I'm sort of at the point where I'm you know I've made so many records now I'm a bit over reviews I sort of don't even really read them that much anymore and I used to like really care um and I still will look a little bit but you know I actually um, it's purely 
you know, and it's a fortunate position to be in, I suppose. But I, I honestly am just doing it from for my own reasons, really. And um, you know, and just trying to make something that I, I like, I would want to listen to, and maybe you know, some of my friends would would appreciate, you know. And and that's about as far as I'm I'm reaching with it. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm I'm a I'm a shameless egotist, so um, I I search my my name on Twitter all the time. <laughs> I, I, Martin I, I, West searches himself on Twitter. What <laughs> is it like? I'm going. I don't give a fuck. You know, yeah. I, I want to know what people are saying, I, the good and bad. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I admit I do that too. I can't. I can't. I yeah. can't. Tell you that. So, um, tell us about Last Shadow Puppets because that was also a mysterious entity. Which I loved. Uh, Ooh, I suppose that was really, um, you know, Al, Al getting into Scott Walker, honestly. Yeah. You know, was, well, he's getting into Scott Walker on now, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Well, he's actually probably more in, sort of more in that in that zone at this point than than he was sort of capable of at that point, possibly. But right. yeah, I think it was just a love for, a, a, you know, discovering a love for that that world of, of music. And same with me, you know, just the idea of being able to, and again, that was, it, it was just sort of a fun, it was like, it was almost like a holiday. It was like me and Miles and Al out in this little studio in France and like, let's just fuck around and see what happens sort of thing with no pressure. And I think as an antidote to the pressure of, of the, you know, the monkeys and all the hype that was going on around that time, um, I think it was just just a chance for, for them to kind of stretch out and, and have fun, you know, and involve like strings and stuff in a, yeah. in a way that um, wasn't, um, yeah, sort of, it, it felt like a holiday from from the you know from the other thing um and and it was just it it was really fun um and but then yeah i think weirdly now he's incorporated that part of his taste back into the sort of you know into the into the day yeah. job you know to but um yeah it was you know and i i i played drums and all that stuff and we toured a little bit with it and I, you know, I toured with them and we toured with an orchestra and yeah, I've got very, very fond memories of that, that time. God, you have such fun in your life, honestly. I have had, yeah, I can't complain. You can't complain. Um, forgive my research is normally appalling because I don't have much time, but I've got no excuse this time. Did you <laughs> produce the first uh, Arctic Monkeys album? Yeah, well, the story behind that is I, I, I was it was very very early in my production um, career, and I'd just done a band called Test Icicles that were on Domino, and kind of it was sort of this kind of like new ravey post punk thing. And then um, met Lawrence, and he was happy with you know the sort of job I'd done on that, and it introduced me to the monkeys. So I remember sitting on a train, going to meet them, and had like the demos of like Mardi Bum and all that stuff. Um, and then we were actually in, a, yeah, we went up and we sort of did a version of that first record um, in a studio called the Motor Museum with, um, it was Mike, Mike Crossy and myself. Um, and we did this pretty kind of, kind of Larry sort of versions of them, but yeah, I, for whatever reason, it got it got taken off as at a late stage. Oh and, no! Uh, it was um, 
Yeah, you know, I think I seem to remember it was the Americans didn't th- thought it thought it. Um, you know, I suppose there just wasn't the trust in 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 me as a producer at that stage because their hype was just was going crazy. So yeah, so then uh, uh, it got finished off by someone else. But I got on, you know, we got on really well. Um, and I remember meeting meeting the monkeys sort of at some it's like a Q Awards thing or something because I'd, I'd just done like the Claxons album as well at a similar time. And um, yeah, and and, and I, I think, you know, and they came back to us from the second record and then I've kind of worked with them. Yeah, yeah. Said. But um, yeah, you know, I, at the time it was, it was, I was distraught, you know. Um, uh, but I think, you know, like looking back in retrospect, it, Maybe if I'd have made that first record, I wouldn't have ended up making the rest. Oh, uh, it takes all sorts of setbacks, doesn't it? If you've yeah. not got fairly thick skin, you're never going to make it in this profession anyway, no matter how talented you are. So. Exactly, it's just you know, and uh, but it, it was it was a good it was a good lesson, you know. I kind of have to pick myself up and 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 carry on, sort of, because it you know it felt like a big. I could you know everyone could see what what was happening with them, you know, and it felt like a big break that then got like the rug pulled, and it was it was it was a weird it was a weird thing, but um. Yeah, but then I've got a great story about. Um, I think it's great. Anyway, I went. I was. I was over in uh, New York touting for production work, uh, and um, one of the tiniest, uh, like uh, publishing houses that I went to see. I thought I'm never going to get work out of this. And he he said, "Have you?" He said, uh, "We're just uh, shooting the breeze." And he said, "Oh, I'm go- about to fly to uh, the UK." I said, oh, are you going to London? He said, no, I'm going to Sheffield. I'm going, well, you know Sheffield's not going to airport, right? So you have to go to Manchester. I went, oh, okay. Uh, I've just got this cassette of this band called the Arctic Monkeys. Do you want to hear it? And I'm going, they're from Sheffield. I'm going, oh, I've not heard of this. Yeah. This is before they got signed, right? Right, oh, yeah. It's probably the same cassette I heard. Absolutely loved it immediately. Yeah. And when I have to get onto my manager and see if I can get to produce this record. Because, you know, although I didn't do really guitar rock, that kind of style of thing, I can pretty much cover yeah. most things. And I'd had some, obviously, sold quite a lot of records at that point. Uh, and I knew, the, uh, I can't remember who the manager was, but I knew, I was familiar with, I think I met him a few times. And yes. I thought, I've got to have a shot at this. Anyway, it's already been sorted, and uh, I, I've regretted that ever since. Not yeah, getting but, there a bit earlier, but anyway. Well, it's one of the, it's those things, isn't it? And I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm confident in my abilities, but I'm also very aware that I've had a lot of these kind of lucky little, little kind of breaks here and there, you know. And it, it's hard to know, you know, even through growing up, you know, just like a great music teacher and all of these little things, little great influences through your through your life, you know, and um, you know, it it, it you do you kind of have to have to sort of recognize those things as to as as part of it, you know. It, it's you know, I'm not sure I'd I'd uh kind of want my little boy to go into the music industry because I, you know, from seeing from where I'm sitting, it's a very, it's a very random, <laughs> a very random yeah. path. You know, you couldn't ever predict no. how it's going to, how it's going to go, you know. Well, when we were growing up, well, certainly you're young, a lot younger than me, but uh, when I was growing up, I mean, everybody was earning money in the eighties. I mean, it, the, I didn't know it at the time because you just assume that's what the record industry is. 
but every single brick in that building, which was the music industry, was getting a cut of the pie and everybody was doing all right generally. Now it's not the case, of course. You've got to be much more specialised and and, uh, and and pick a, a bit that's, that's, that's good. Anyway... Yeah. I think you just, you know, again, going back, I just kind of would want my my kid to have a relationship with music and and be able to, you know, kind of make music. But and I, I just think that like you can only go in at that that level of 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 this pure enjoyment level, you know, at, at this point I because yeah. really hard to to you know to try and set out to to make a living out of making music. It seems like a kind of fool's errand at this point you know which is is an awful thing to say but and hopefully things will change you know because the demand for music is bigger than ever obviously but yeah yeah the the machinery behind it is very is in, in a real mess exactly you know? um i'm a big fan of everything everything i mm. i think they are i know they do really well on the on, on, on the um festival circuit and always have done i think they've got something really amazingly special in their arm armory that is unique um yeah. so when did you start working with them um i i only sort of really did did that one album with them um, Green, yeah. yeah and I, i'd only i've been a i've been a fan you know obviously similar you know um you can sort of spot a mile off how how sort of talented they are and and being in the studio with them with you know they're all of them are, are, are brilliant you know as musicians but producers as well and you know they're, they're just incredibly smart you know um and yeah i actually did that up in liverpool in in Park street uh for the most of it and it was a really it was a really fun experience you know and it was honestly yeah it's quite it's just sort of quite one of those production jobs that was, was felt quite easy because it you know it's all already kind of on the rails you know and you're just sort of slightly steering it and helping helping it and but it you know they're you know, I think they even kind of self-produce quite a lot at this point. Yeah, yeah. it reminds us a bit of Heaven Seventeen in that respect. You know, we we like to bounce off engineer producers, but if we have to do it ourselves, we can. Exactly, know. and it's kind of getting more and more like that. You know, um, it, it sometimes you know it's just kind of bringing a bit of like experience and 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 a bit of energy into the into the system, I suppose. But um, yeah, you know, yeah, I really enjoyed making that record. Fellas, um, you don't have to name names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, have you had some really uh, awful experiences in the studio working with people? Well, I, 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 I said something flippant in an interview last week, which I really regret saying. Um, um, but um, so I won't repeat that about a, a record I wish I'd never made, and and that it was a bit of a. I, I sort of yeah I wish I hadn't it was a bit unprofessional of me to say it but I, I did actually in the same interview mention that um one of the most difficult ones I remember was actually not this Depeche Mode record but the Depeche Mode record before called Spirit which um was the first time I'd worked with them uh and you know obviously it, it was quite a sort of slightly daunting situation um but they their interpersonal sort of relationships were at a kind of very tense level oh, yeah. uh and it, yeah they had kind of had this sort of i just remember there being loads and loads of people in the studio like engineers assistants programmers you know like 15 20 people in the studio 
uh, and and just this very like this this sort of tension that that kind of culminated in almost this sort of uh you know them almost parting ways and having to have this almost like almost like marriage guidance counseling sort of thing which landed on my shoulders and it it it, it was it was tough you know and it was sort of it was almost like that stuff overtook um took the music and there was some great stuff on that record but it was it was i remember it being stressful um yeah. and but then you know thankfully on this you know the the most recent record, more yeah um it was it well I, I, thankfully is is really the wrong word because it was in the in the shadow obviously of um uh, of andy passing away but yeah. because of that this sort of brush with mortality and the 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 team was very small it was just me and marta the engineer and um martin and dave and they were just kind of sort of rebonding kind of like long lost brothers and telling lots of stories about Andy and um you know their history and like mad stuff that happened in you know early Basildon days and um you know uh that's, that's good, around and, and it was actually this really kind of moving beautiful experience uh, and it was it was very low key just in Martin's house and it was actually sort of a totally polar opposite experience to the the album before that's very interesting, yeah. Um, so I'm just looking at my notes here. So there's the another man. Yeah, the, other, the, the other, if you want, want a master. Oh, please do, yeah. Claxon's second record was a funny one because their first one I'd, I'd, I'd made and it was sort of gone down really well and kind of won the Mercury and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then... <laughs> But they they were pretty they were pretty kind of hedonistic guys, and we were actually out in the same studio that we did the Shadow Puppets first record in this little place in called Black Box in France, and uh, one of the one of the band members brought this big bag of uh, what he called Five Star, which was sort of this kind of weird white powder that was um, it was it was like pretty heavily psychedelic. It must have been like ketamine. Oh, apparently, it was five things all mixed together, and it yeah. was. It was pretty serious, but they were like doing it every, all day, every day. Oh, so cut to like no. week, you know, sort of two weeks in, we were making this very sort of like Pink Floydy sort of trippy epic sort of record, which we thought was brilliant, and maybe it was brilliant. Um, but um, you know, they were talking to aliens and burying stuff, burying stuff <laughs> out. In the um, there was one moment where like there was this. Um, one of the uh, singers, James, was trying to sing this this line, and now, and um, James was like, no, it's not right, it's not right, and we did it for hours, and then Jamie, uh, James comes back into the studio and like puts his head on the mixing desk and goes, and now, and Jamie was like, that's it, and so we had to bring the mics in, and like, don't move, you know, and then we put the mic in, because he didn't want to ruin the moment. And then this this bit, I've got lots of stories from this particular session, but there's this one that really sums it up where they got the head of the label Polydor, whoever it was at the time, they were coming over to listen to the record and they got, um, they got uh, uh, him to bring this sort of big glass bell jar that you would put like a stuffed animal in. And it was to frame and preserve this 
a thing called Mr. Tabernacle, which was guiding this whole process of the making of the record. And uh, so they came on the Eurostar with this big glass jar and kind of came in and was like, here it is, you know, show us, where's Mr. Tabernacle? And basically, Mr. Tabernacle, it turned out, was a rotting apple that had been outside the studio oh door. God. Made this like crazy pattern on the floor. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, the like, labels were just like, wow. This goes beyond anything I've had to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's thank you for that. That's great. That will make it into the book. And, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I am actually going to do a book of. Uh, I've done 170 interviews now. I'm going to do a book of the greatest hits. <laughs> I think that's that's going to. Um. And Jessie Ware, she's very talented, isn't she? Yeah, she's great. Um, I actually did all of that record in this room, all the drums, yeah, everything is just like, yeah, it's, you know, with Jessie, she kind of, um, I've been a friend for quite a long time, but, you know, we sort of collaborated a little bit, but not really. And she was sort of a bit of a weird point in her career where she was, trying to like do the major label kind of pop girl thing but it wasn't really working very yeah. well and and, she, and then she kind of had this this food podcast thing that she does and it sort of again freed her up um uh to which is a kind of common theme throughout my my thing and i think it's you know that freedom to like not you know put every all your eggs in that one basket and then actually yeah. oh, i'm gonna make this thing for fun you know, I think that's a real um, important lesson for, for anyone sort of making music, because if you can get that spirit, that's when you're going to make the best stuff. But anyway, well, for actually, her... That's a, that's a definition of an artist, really. I think so, yeah. And and so she just... The pressure was off for her for her music career in a way, and she's like, I just want to make this this fun kind of, like, party, kind of what she would call, like, wedding jams record, you know. And <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge fan of, you know, sort of you know, sort of 70s sort of funk stuff and, and, yeah. and jazz and whatever. So it was a, a way for me to kind of live out my Dexter Wanzel fantasies for a while. Absolutely. And, you know, so you're a fan of funk and soul? Yeah, like jazz. And yeah, I kind of, you know, I've, I've got a pretty broad ranging taste, really. Um, and yeah, so, I, you know, I grew up in like, in my little town in playing, you know, playing bass in, in kind of, sort of funk bands and stuff you know i definitely have have that that in me um and so yeah just i got to just make the music and then jesse sings over the top it's pretty it's pretty Brilliant. pretty fun um okay still looking here what's it better songs oh yeah i was oh yeah I was, <laughs> i've just got some funny notes here it says mortality existential dread yeah, right. <laughs> and some of the lyrics on the on on the latest sound. Um, well, yeah, you know, haven't we all got existential dread at this point in history? I definitely have. I'm 67, so I'm yeah. I'm fully existentially dreading. But, I think you know. I think I've been I've been thinking a lot about death. If I'm honest with you, you know, and I think it's something that we don't think about a lot in in Western culture, and I think it's very to our detriment. I think. You know, it's very important to be aware that death is a part of life, and and come to terms with that, and be okay with that, and it actually probably makes you live your live your life. You know, going back, yeah. 
yeah, the memento mori thing and all of that sort of stuff. It's like having an appreciation that that um, the beauty of life is is in the fact that it's finite in a lot of ways, you know. Um, and and it is 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 an important thing to remember on a daily basis, you know. And it's something that as I get older and maybe having a young family as well, it's something I've been thinking about. Um, and then it's really been in quite been in quite a lot of projects that I've been working with. I've you know um, there's been that element. So yeah, it was just definitely in my head when I was making my record. Oh, right. I, I got it right then. Uh, your wife's half Irish and half Palestinian. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with. So me. my wife's Irish. Yeah. Uh, I am a big supporter of Palestinian rights. Yeah. Um, you've been involved. Do you, do you know the people in place of war or the Palestinian music expo? I, w- I went on that PMX. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, right. So, you know, um, you, you know, uh, you know, everybody involved in that. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, do you know Ruth Daniel? Do you know yes, Ruth? Yes, I know Ruth very well. Yeah. 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 I'm going to a wedding next week, actually. Oh, lovely. Give her my. Manchester. And she's finally found the right man. Thank oh, God. Oh, that's nice to hear. Um, hi, Ruth, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, um, well, I'm not going to say it should have been me. Somewhere <laughs> <in the country. laughs> just I just that couldn't resist it. I, I get this little <laughs> devil on my shoulder saying, say it, say it, say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, so have you you so you've been to Palestine? You've seen it. In yeah, I, I went with the PMX thing. Yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, um, Serene's dad is Palestinian uh, and left left Palestine in in uh, in the sixties, I think, and basically travelled across Europe and ended up in London. And met Serene's mum, and um, yeah, you know, so I've I've been very aware of the the whole kind of you know we've been together for twenty odd years, so I've been very aware of that situation for. For all of that time talking to her dad and her family and she's still got relatives over there and all of that sort of stuff and yes yeah, it's, it's just a right it's just a, a crazy miserable um seemingly un, untenable and i don't know how it's gonna be solved in a good way um mm. but i feel like it's also the heart of a lot of geopolitics you know it kind of revolves around you know sort of yeah, well, I suppose you know it's the center of organized religion for a start, you know, in a lot of ways, and it's just, yeah, it's it, it it's it's such a crazy situation, and it you know, and it's such a hot sort of button topic, and so hard to talk about it without kind of uh, I don't know going down all these sort of rabbit holes and and all of that sort of stuff but it's 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 yeah I, I read a lot about it and i think a lot about it and and but it's 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 a very tricky situation which part of uh palestine do does your wife's family come from um she's she's got family in ramallah and i think she's actually still got some some cousins who live in gaza as well gaza is tough man Have you yeah been- I, I, we we weren't we couldn't we couldn't get there we were not but, um, yeah, you know, like I, when we were out there, we met like this Palestinian sort of youth orchestra, and um, you know, they the the music they were playing was sort of beautiful and heartbreaking, and uh, but then also just behind that, the the lengths that they had to go to just to run an orchestra there 
is is insane you know they they run the risk of if they you know leave where they live to get there they might not be able to get back especially if they you know leave leave palestine they might not be able to to do a gig in europe or something like that they wouldn't necessarily be allowed to to get back to to their homes and you know just just trying to find the instruments and and you know i think even since i went there the 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 sort of center got got bombed and shut down and you know like cultural centers being destroyed for no real reason than to destroy the culture honestly you know and and you know like and the 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 kids that i met there were just you know were were lovely kids who were very much like my who live over here who just just want to learn ableton and want to like make beats and and live their life and not have you know and are doing it again in these sort of kind of really really difficult circumstances you know no i couldn't agree more and um a quick a quick because i've never mentioned in place of war really on on the podcast and i think it deserves to be mentioned um uh, this organization that uh, that ruth daniel is kind of the head of um goes to place the conflict in the world and, and and enables creativity and creative tools and stuff anyway we went to palestine uh, uh, under the aegis of a uh, a multi-faith uh, organization in um, in Ramallah. Can't remember the name now. But anyway, we went there and um, it was, I mean, we, we, right, we were planning to take across uh, 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 stuff for a radio station so that so that it could either could transmit on the internet or whatever, and maybe even have a, a sister station in Gaza and and but also recording studios and the tools for doing all that stuff redundant stuff over here or old stuff that could be repurposed over there and um got all the stuff together it was all agreed with the authorities they blocked it for two and a half years yeah oh i think maybe i maybe you were part of that because i went to um when i was there we went to uh it was like a refugee camp and yes uh, janine and janine yeah yeah that was yeah, horrifying, wasn't it? Yeah. Know. And yeah, and then you know, you go to Hebron and all the kind of like yeah. crazy shatter thing that's going on there. And it's just yeah, it's just mind blowing in a lot of ways, yeah. you know. Anyway, it's important to I mean, this is a for me, it's a humanitarian um uh, thing. It's not nothing to do with politics. It's purely nobody should have to live under those conditions, whoever they are, whatever faith you are. Um so this is, I don't know how it's going to get resolved because the West are responsible for creating this mess. No, largely the British, you know, the Balfour Declaration and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Anyway, not to end on a negative note. No. Uh, Going back to the existential. Sorry to bring it up, but it is important. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me just look at my notes. The gorillas. Tell me about uh, about your experience with that. Well, yeah, so, I've, you know, I've just made a Blur record as well. Um, uh, and so I did a Gorillaz record um, called The Now Now a, a few years back. Um, and, I, you know, I've been a long time fan of, uh, you know, Blur and, you know, Damon, I think is one of, to my mind, one of the best writers, you know, this country is, is, has seen, you know, he 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 is so prolific and, and brilliant. Yeah. You know, I can see... The Blur concerts just now, recently, you know, there's just so many songs. You know, he's written so many beautiful and kind of big sort of pop songs, but also just really pretty, lovely things. 
and so yeah just just to have the opportunity to be in a in the room in the room with him was great and he did he didn't disappoint you know he i remember on that um uh on the now now record there was there was one section where um like he does a lot of demos on the iPad and whatever, and I was like, "Oh, this demo's great, but hey, like, how about it needs another section? You know, maybe you start from like this D minor and maybe do something in that kind of key or whatever." He was like, "All right then," and then sort of went over to the piano. Bear in mind, there was like again like ten people in the room, assistants, and just like move yeah. around, sits down at the piano, plays something totally off the cuff, hundred um, percent, and sang at the same time and making up lyrics and you know the final vocal you know just did it off the cuff made up a bit wow. and the vote ended up on the record you know it's yeah, like that's I a rare talent isn't it? i haven't seen many people be able to do you know songwriting is a very personal kind of vulnerable thing you know and to be able to just sort of do that out of thin air I, I, it was very impressive um yeah and like you know then you know the blur record just now graham as well is you know, the whole band are great, but, you know, like Graham especially brings this kind of weird angular. He's like such a brilliant guitarist and a fountain of, of crazy ideas. And, you know, I think with a pair of them, the biggest challenge was, you know, it's a little bit like herding cats. They're both quite sort of ADD in a lot of ways, kind of coming up with a lot of ideas, but changing path quite a lot and very rarely play the same thing twice you know i'd say oh wouldn't you play that's a great bit play that again you know and you'd start and then just suddenly like after a minute like all the pedals have come <laughs> up in different direction you know and the sound has disappeared or whatever um, um so there's quite a lot of that sort of thing but the energy was great they're, they're getting on great and i think it's it's, it's a brilliant record oh, you know so very okay. happy to be involved in it well to um this has been a joyful experience. Um, very uh, nice to actually, I think, you know, speaking as a producer myself that comes from being in a band, as it were, it's uh, quite unusual to have such a kin talk to such a kindred spirit anyway. So thank you for that. I've, um, I've been a time fan of yours. You've made some of my old time favorite records, so I appreciate. I like it. which one? Come on! The most, one of the most sort of uh, fucking is iconic. Probably started off a lot of electronic music, didn't it? You know, it's yeah. like thank you for hearing it, and it blew my mind. I, you know, yeah, I mean, considering it was made in mono, bouncing from track to track on a two-track tape recorder. With no, I know all about no it. <laughs> I don't, you don't have to tell me any of the details I've researched. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so I always ask everybody these stupid kind of smash it type questions, but actually they're quite revealing normally. Yeah. What's your favourite TV show? Um, any any of them. You don't. Have, it's not. Yeah, a, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, honestly. Um, at this point in my life, um, you know, I in suppose. The past. Um, Sopranos. Okay, everybody says that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. um, film. Favorite film. Um, film. That's tough, isn't it? Uh, just one of them. Yeah, just one of them. Um, What's the film you've seen most? Film I've seen most is probably um, 
it's not an exam, you know. You can no, no. It's it's really hard. make it up. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really like all the Charlie Kaufman ones, like Adaptation. Maybe I'll pick as my favorite. Oh, Adaptation. Yeah, that's a good film. I, I like that. Okay, uh, favorite book. Do you read? I do read, yes. Favourite book. Dude, I didn't realise these were coming. These are tough. I know, but I don't like to give prior warning. Or else, or else I like the spontaneity. <laughs> yeah. uh, Favourite book. Um... Jesus. Um... <laughs> going on the highlights reel. <laughs> yeah god it's I, I, also my recall is really bad i find it really hard to like think of any books right now do you know what i mean it's like it's um okay well, we can come back to it if you want no 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 i mean but like it'd be the same with music it's like what was your favorite record i can't, can't think of any albums no. it's like it's um i can tell these questions are going to go really well <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm sorry um you know you have to give me a minute um no worries Favorite book? What have I read recently that I really liked? My favorite. Um... James is struggling here. <laughs> Let's um... move on. Let's move on. Uh, which other producer is a, is a kind of benchmark for you? Oh, the producer is a benchmark. Um... There's so many. Uh, I, I I do I think Visconti has made some of my favourite signing records probably yeah, me too. Um, I interviewed him and I said to him you have produced 12 of my favourite 20 records I'm just a sucker if you'd only done Electric Warrior that would have been enough Yeah, I'm just a sucker for that early 70s kind of dry sort yeah. of yeah me too uh, good okay um which of your own work are you most proud of? <laughs> uh, that's tough. Um, I don't very rarely listen to anything I've ever done, but I'm going to have to say my own album because I did it. I got you to the end it. of it. It was you a challenge. And, you know. I think that's the best thing you've ever done. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, an epiphanal moment in your life, a kind of moment of realisation or something that really was a major change in direction or mind-opening experience or um well i've been doing this thing for a few years where i've been um i've got like a, a little notebook or i do it on my phone sometimes like moments of appreciation where you're just like in a moment and you're like fuck i'm in this moment with yeah. these people or whatever you know and you just zoom out for a second and you're like fuck here that, this is great this is like you know what, what what you know what i always wanted or whatever it is or you know just appreciation of and it can be with family and friends it can be in a you know in a recording situation and just trying to have those moments of like um recognizing it in the I, moment that's beautiful i'm gonna nick that idea i love it yeah I, I would recommend for anyone to do it moments of appreciation so i've got a, a bunch of them but yeah i think um I'm going to go all the way back. I remember I remember my piano teacher when I was probably about four or five, six, um, early doors, um, uh, starting piano lessons, 
Can you? Can you? I don't know why I've got a clear memory of this. Can you? Can you clap this rhythm? Can you sing this melody? Oh, no. And I and I. I, I did it all and she was like you're really good at this and like that just was like him banging my head oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> do you know what I mean and then from then I was like I'm good at music okay cool and then obviously before I even learned any music and I think that's a huge thing you know it put me on a it put me on a trajectory yeah confidence is a big thing exactly. it's crazy isn't it how uh, yeah when those okay. things really things are um if you I know you said this is a very difficult question but have you ever thought that if you'd not managed to make a career out of music, what an alternative career might have been for you? Um, so I did a biology degree in Manchester because my dad convinced me I should do that instead of going to the, the music college, Royal Northern or whatever I was going to do. Um, so I've had always had like an interest in neuroscience and that kind of that sort of world. Like, um, So I probably would have ended up somewhere over there, but... Honestly, from from age 13, 14, I knew I wanted to be a music producer. Like, I was, I was in my head, you know. Um, uh, so I was always going to, I was always pushing for that, you know. I, 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 and I think that's part of it, isn't it? I've been pretty single-minded, honestly, about it. Right. Um, and, I, I, and I, you know, I don't know if that's why, why that is. You know, maybe it's back to that music teacher in the early early days or whatever but i always felt like i could do it you know yeah yeah um if you could pick a musical artist past or present forget whether you were alive at the same time then to produce who who that you've not produced it's got to be bowie probably you yeah. know he sort of just just treads the line between pop and art yeah um, you know, Prince, but I feel like he probably did it all himself anyway, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to produce a track that he did for... Wow. Um, that he wrote, sorry, for Jill Jones, who was his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And uh, that was something. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Stories. I love yeah. this. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to uh, to share a pint and get deeper on some of those stories. Because yeah, I, really, yeah, I'll tell you one one little story. Uh, very short is when I was doing the Trans Friend Derby album, Prince rang up the studio and said, um, "Could uh, Terence send me all of his demos, please?" <laughs> and Terence went, "No, absolutely not." <laughs> He actually said that. Anyway, um, do you have any... Uh, now, I, I, I'm very careful how I phrase this because a lot of people go, I'm not ambitious. Uh, and, and I'm not really ambitious, but it's a diff don't interpret it that way. Do you have any uh, unfulfilled ambitions? Um... Yeah, I, I'm not. Cause I'm not going to say that I'm not ambitious because obviously, um, um, but as I get older, I feel like my ambitions have definitely shifted. And maybe I'm just talking from a privileged position where I've already achieved a fair amount of stuff. But definitely, my ambitions now are to, um, yeah, just to to kind of <laughs> spend good quality time making you know music with people that i love and 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 spending time with people that i love and trying to kind of maximize what's left of my life do you know what i mean because it's sort of i i don't i you know i've 
I'm not rich, but I've got plenty of money. I've like I've got you know. I think health and that sort of stuff as you get older. Get back oh, to really? Money. That's yeah. the important stuff, isn't it? Just kind of keep healthy, keep having fun with people that I love, you know, and yeah. try and try and kind of give as much as I can to kind of people coming through to enable other people to do that as well. God bless you. Um, final question: What's your favourite synth? Favorite synth. Um, well, my, my first ever synth that I had when is I've had that since I was fifteen. Maxi Korg. Um, oh wow, cool. But, um, which I know you used. Yeah, some three you've got there, right? Is but uh, twenty six hundred. I just twenty six hundred. Sorry. I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I just. Yeah, I. I can't. I can't. I, I use the twenty six hundred on everything I ever do. Right. Um, Oh, you've got suitcase since there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. That, um, and then that's like the Surge, which I love. Some Eurorack, which I'm kind of going off a bit. But, um, yeah, you know, like, same, you know, it's like back to ambitions. You know, I'm kind of a bit over over equipment. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got plenty of equipment. I don't need any more. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one in, one out. My room's quite small. Yeah. It's like that kind of, that, I think constantly searching and constantly looking for the next thing and and um weirdly ambition in that way is negative you know it, it you it means you're not in the moment and you're not you're not sort of appreciating what you've what you've got i think and uh, you know you constantly look into the future um it's you know it's trying like trying to get beyond that a little bit i think that's exactly. my ambition well on that bombshell I think we'll bring this to a close. What a fantastic chat that was. It's one of my Thank you so much. And um, I wish you luck with... Uh, are you performing it again live soon? The, the album? Um, yeah, Glastonbury Festival. Glastonbury. I'm uh, not there. And, then, and then Green Man Festival. Um, and then, you know, I might do some more gigs in the future, but, um, you know, I don't have any to announce or anything yet. But, right. you know, I've been enjoying playing live, honestly. Um, but, again, it's not... <laughs> I'm not going to start touring. I might yeah. do. I want to do kind of interesting one-off gigs, even yeah. with my own projects. I might not. I'm going to do some more music hopefully this year, but it might be like an orchestral thing or something. Right. You know, I don't know if I'm. Um, you know, I'll, I'm, I just want to keep making music in my own little furrow. You know, but yeah. just just trying to do what excites me really. If right you now. ever fancy doing any any. Uh, live performance or uh, recordings in three-dimensional sound then yeah you, you do I'm yeah. your man yeah great uh, yeah. And it, I, I, I'll do work with other systems like Dolby Atmos, Dolby Atmos which is fine and yeah. um, L Acoustics have got their own software now called Elisa uh, which is they're all good but it's a bit that's a bit like moving sounds around on a dome above your head yeah, yeah. whereas our, our system that we have is like full three-dimensional ambisonics Amazing. Yeah, and it, I've used it for live performance. Sounds fucking amazing. Frankly. Well, that yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to get into some you know sort of just you know, come up with some kind of uh, interesting ideas for like a installation or you know, those kind of things. So I, 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 I do all that stuff all the time. So if you ever want to do anything, where are you based? Are you based in London? In London, yeah, in Hackney, yeah. Well, I'm in uh, King's Cross. So if you ever want to come down to the studio and listen, yeah, that'd be great. Out. Um, yeah, I'd love, to. I'd love to give you a demo of it and then you, it might inspire you to do stuff in that format. So yeah. give us a shout. Yeah, brilliant. All right, man. I'll That's see awesome. you. Thanks for that. All the best. Cheers.
Well, that was a really enjoyable episode. Very nice guy, intelligent, empathetic, great songwriter, great arranger, actually. And uh, I've got nothing but praise for him, really. Uh, I I wasn't aware of his new album until um, uh, decided that we were going to do this interview, and I'm in love with it, as I mentioned before. Please send, uh, feel free to send me an email, electronicallymartin at gmail.com. Or if you are really feeling predisposed to uh, helping out this podcast, go to the patreon.com stroke electronically hours site where for the price of a coffee or a pint per month, you can help keep this free and independent and advert free. Thanks. That's it for this week. Another exciting guest next week. Bye bye. Richard Reynolds. Hi, Martin. Can't, I can't tell you enough. Yasha took to Steve Ongle. I think this is Scottish. All about his times with Billy McKenzie. So many stories. I have contact with him and his dear friend. He is brilliant and a lovely man, Richard. Steve um, Ongle. Steve Ongle, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Richard. Uh, this is from another patron, Miles Matisse. Martin, an incredible synth and keyboard master to interview in the future would be Greg Hawks from The Cars. His key work on their discography is absolutely brilliant. Cheers. I'm not familiar, but... Um, we'll put it, it down. Put it down, anyway. Uh, another patron, Stuart Wilson. Could I please get any basic advice regarding getting into music technology and production and basic synth kit? It's too broad a question for me to answer really i'm not i mean i'm quite happy to offer informal advice but that's quite detailed um but anyway very nice to chat to you Stuart. uh uh moving on just get a get a daw uh, uh like logic or something and make loads of stuff on it and the more you make the better it will sound yeah and also there there are just an unimaginable amount of free resources online on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's good. Uh, to te- I mean, if you devote a few evenings, well, like a week's worth of evenings, you can be uh, running at quite a, 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 a proficient level within a week on, on Logic. And a good starter synth I'd recommend would be the Korg Minilog XD. Costs about 500 quid. It's like a really good full analog poly synth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, This is from Shane Shapiro. Martin, I hope all is well. Been a little while since we connected, so I hope you're well. And following the Electronically Yours podcast, it's great. But this email comes with some news and an ask. The news I've written is a book. It's called This Must Be The Place, How Music Can Make Your City Better. Um, yeah, so that's a book by Shane Shapiro. This must be the place. How music can make city better. Um, I guess go out and buy it. And if you want to send me, yeah, a, says, a digital version of the book, just send me a, an email. He says he can give you an advanced copy. Yeah, I'm not giving out my address. Sure, you can um, send it here though. Nice, no, right? To, um, uh, to the EY email. Yeah. Hi, Martin. <laughs> Sorry, this is Rachel Haynes. <clears throat> Love the podcast, blah, blah, blah. I'm some team fan since 13. Future guest ideas. I know Ian Craig Marsh isn't possible. That'd be great. I agree. 
KLF, Robert Smith, Boards of Canada. Can you write these down? Yeah. And Richard D. James, of course. I'd love to get him. Uh, Anna Meredith. Uh, Anna B. Savage. Anyone from Depeche Mode, especially Martin Gore. Jonathan Higgs from Everything, Everything. I love Everything, Everything. Um, right from the moment I first heard them. John Cale. Is he still alive? Even. I mean, the dream would be Kate Bush, she says. Uh, and I've asked her, but she didn't really do podcasts. Anyway, thank you, Rachel, for those suggestions. Thanks, Rachel. Mm-hmm.